Welcome to Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic. I'm Vern Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. Boom. Great to have you here. Do you know what? We've got a big week of, of big movies that are kind of launching, you know, which we haven't seen for a while, some which we both Van and I have watched as part of the London Film Festival. Um, and then we've got a great selection of stuff coming for your movies on TV, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good show today, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just going to cut through it and just say that the film we're talking about from the London Film Festival, sadly, was not Tom and Jerry. No. So, which, you know, would have really been something, wouldn't it? That would I mean, have been, uh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been something that I think a lot of people would have been queuing around the block for. <laughs> <laughs> let's, so, let's um, <laughs> so which one are we starting with? Are we starting with Tom and Jerry, aren't we? Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's start with Tom and Jerry, shall we? Because it is something that I think, you know, family-friendly... Um, it, it, I think it's got Chloe Grace Moretz in it, hasn't it? And um, it's live action plus animated at the same time, isn't it? It's a live action CG hybrid. So the <laughs> obvious comparison point for this is uh, something like the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies or Scooby-Doo or, uh, or, or, or Yogi Bear, which is one I really want everyone to remember exists. Yogi Bear from about 2009. Yogi Bear with Dan Aykroyd as Yogi Bear. Let's never forget that that exists. Lest, lest we forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Tom and Jerry reimagines. Uh, this is, I think, the second ever theatrically released Tom and Jerry movie. The first was in 1992 and was that awful one where they talked. This is only the second, and it's the first one since Hannah and Barbera, the creators, have actually both passed. And I think the most recent was Barbera in 2006. So this reimagines uh, the sort of origin story of Tom and Jerry, who just happen upon one another on the street one day and instantly dislike one another and their immediate conflict brings them into the life of Kayla a sort of gig economy Gen Z uh, uh, employee of a, of a sort of mainstream hotel on the eve of a massive celebrity wedding which seems to be had between this sort of phoned in Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra like couple played by Colin Jost and I forget who she is um, in which the, the rivalry between Tom and Jerry threatens to undermine Everything. I figured out who you are. Who am I? You're one of those millennials that thinks they can get whatever they want, whenever they want, without working for it. Preferably with free shipping. Who doesn't like free shipping? You better hope this little cat plan works, because if it doesn't, I'll make sure you never work in New York City again. And that goes for you too, Tom. Yes, you. Enjoy away at last, cause This is just a test, Tom. Do you know what's really sad is I was just thinking, and you mentioned it, is that there's going to be a whole generation of people who just don't know what the words Hanna-Barbera mean. Yeah, um, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. And it's, you know, for us growing up, it was like it was like the headline. It's a Hanna-Barbera production or, or whatever. It's, uh, you know, I think that's really sad that we're losing that. Um, but their legacy could continue on if this movie was any good. How does this... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it's it's a big if, isn't it? Did you did you see this? One? I didn't manage to catch this because actually oh. I was going to watch it, and then you went, you you said what you thought of it, and I was like, do you know what? <laughs> I might just leave this one to you. Oh. 
So the term catastrophe looks oh. to mind. It's it's really abhorrently bad. I mean, it's so absurdly unfunny. It's so boilerplate. I mean, it's directed by Tim Story. Right. That's the really interesting part. Tim Story is not exactly a you know a, 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 an untalented man. Mm. He has a certain workmanlike energy, admittedly. But you know what? He has a decent enough eye. Say what you will. His Fantastic Four movies are not bland. Yeah. I wouldn't describe them as too bland. The ride-along movies are perfectly enjoyable for what they are. Think Like a Man has a sort of vague amount of, I don't know, gap menswear hipness about it, I suppose. Is this a money job? Maybe. Is this just a money job, you think? There's this no is a total, total money job. Yeah. Everybody involved in this movie seems to be pitching for a different aged audience. Rob Delaney and Michael Pena, for instance, you could hear Pena in that clip. Pena seems to be skewing for a younger audience, as does Delaney, than Moretz is. And then you've got the animators that seem to think they're filling, they're aiming for the old school crowd who sort of, you know, been grandfathered into this franchise, but at the same time, they're not really providing any of the great physical comedy that we sort of require from Tom and Jerry, presumably because a lot of that would be a bit more problematic nowadays. Mm. And um, and how how does the how do you, how would you rate the live action CGI hybrid? Because it can work really well. I actually really like the animated style. The way that they have animated Tom and Jerry to look like actual cell animation. Uh, rather than, you know, the sort of more, mm. the, the horrible sort of lifelike CGI. I'm glad they've done this. I'm yeah. glad they've gone that's down. That's what we know top. Tom and Jerry to be, right? Yeah, we don't need a redesign of these characters. It yeah. allows them to keep the original design whilst at the same time updating it. It's just updated in terms of its production rather than its design. I really like that. I wish, actually, that they'd done Scooby-Doo this way. Mm. Scooby-Doo looked like, looked like this. I think the movies might have been, especially that first James Gunn written one, might be better well, about better, better remembered today. I just think this is too dull for kids. Really? I think it's too uninvolving and too unfunny for adults. And I can't see what the actual selling point of it is. Yeah, and that's the thing. You've got to get that balance with these kind of movies. You've got to get that right. Um, it sounded as well... I'm surprised that you've just told me that's Michael Pena because it sounded really hammy, like he's totally playing up the Mexican. You know, it's just... It, is it, he, he really you know? is, yeah. Yeah, and it just doesn't... It's just... Everything feels a bit forced in this. Don't, don't get me wrong. In the case of Michael Pena, that is purely incidental. That's, that's, I've no... Uh, that, you know, that's that's him just making a choice. You're like, good for you, pal. You've got the opportunity. Go nuts with that. You lean into that voice if you get the opportunity, sir. And you, you have, so fair enough. Mm. It's not like exploited by the story or nothing so that's 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 something at least that's the one tick i'll give this i mean it does start with um uh, uh, uh like pigeons rapping animated pigeons because not just tom and jerry every animal of any species is animated in this movie that's that's a fact wow. so if there's a horse in there for instance it will be animated uh, so you get pigeons in the very opening of this rapping along to uh can i kick it by tribe called quest and i'm like okay oh, Kelly, that's that's a choice again. It's not one I would have made, and it feels like this whole thing has been sat on a shelf since about 1994, mm. and you've updated like none of the pop culture references. But then you get to uh, the sort of the third act, and it's so patronising that they start chucking in like Jerry flying on like a, a drone, like a smartphone controlled drone, and you've mm. got like them catching Ubers and things like that. But it's all done in that way where 
you know that nobody involved has ever used a drone or Uber. They've just been told about it. Yeah, it sounds like a bit. You know I mean, yeah, it sounds like a bit of a mishmash, and it's not quite paid off um, as a result. So, look, we'll, we'll be interesting to see how this does um, when it kind of comes out and what kind of money it does. Better actual uh, commentary on this is, to, is simply to say Sonic the Hedgehog was better. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Alrighty. Um, so, how many thumbs are you going to give this? I'll give it half a thumb because I liked the animation style of it but other than that <laughs> because they kept it the same <laughs> yeah they, there's the no I like the animation style and I like the blending of the CG with the sort of uh, the CG and cell animation on top of live action good idea technically but beyond that yeah. yeah but that's it technically good but other than that nothing okay fair enough fair enough so that is Tom and Jerry the movie that is available for you to purchase on digital as of today um, right so uh, let's <laughs> let's move on Oh, take a deep breath, Van. This is the movie that I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we spent, you know, we spent spent time at London Film Festival watching. This year with the London Film Festival, we were able to watch from home and thank goodness neither of us had to traipse into London to sit through this. We're talking about Ammonite, starring Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. Um, it is the story of... Um, well, this, let, let me just put, put this out here first. This is what they thought was probably going to be a big Oscar contender. Oh, totally, totally. Like, you know that from the poster alone, from okay. the poster and the fact that it stars Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. The, come on. Yeah, like, exactly. Kate Winslet, get out of bed and they're not talking Oscar? Come on. But then, having seen all the Oscar nominations and, in fact, the entire awards season... Mm -hmm. You might be wondering, why is Ammonite not nominated for anything? Well, let me just give you an insight into what the story is first, and then we'll tell you why. So it follows, and it's the story of an acclaimed paleontologist uh, called Mary Anning. She basically works alone. She's a bit of a recluse. Um, she sells her common fossils to tourists to support her mother. But a chance job offer gives her the opportunity to hire... Uh, to, to basically change the way she works and lives. And that's with the introduction of caring for um, a rather rich person's wife who just doesn't seem quite right, who is played by none other than Saoirse Ronan. That one was special. I was only 11 years old. Days it took to dig it out, clean it. I'd like to see it. It's in the British Museum with its fancy made-up name, Ichthyosaurus. We couldn't keep it. It was years worth of food, rent and clothing. It was such a poor drawing. A child's hand. I like it. Now, if you thought a movie about fossils is boring, <laughs> you are not wrong. Um, the only way that they thought they might spice this up is by throwing in a little bit of lesbian romping. Um, but even that doesn't really save the movie, does it? Well, uh, apparently had no basis, like, in reality either. Like, apparently they just made that up. Like, I, I was reading somewhere, I think it was in The Guardian, there was a, a big article about how they'd made up this entire facet of her life. Because the premise of it is boring. So they had to put something <laughs> in there. Look, look, at the end of the day, this is a movie about a woman that collects fossils and doesn't like other people. <laughs> 
that's basically what it is. There is nothing exciting about this. In fact, you know, I remember sitting watching this screener and going, right, I've got to watch this because this is a big one. You know, I'm, I'm picking and choosing what I'm going to catch at the London Film Festival. And this is one of the biggies. And I sat through it and went, oh my God, it's got to get better than this. I mean, even with that level of, of acting talent behind it, there is, why would they choose to do this? I don't get it. I'm so annoyed that going back through my notes now, I, I might actually have to do a two minute movies episode just to use the pull quote, call me by your dame. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's a pretty good review because I hated the hell out of Call Me By Your Name as well. Yeah. That makes an absolute amount of sense. Um, this is, that's well, cool. a well <laughs> period piece with grime aesthetic, admittedly, but it really is just mostly dusting pebbles and staring across dusty rooms with There's minimal dialogue. Do you know what? There's a lot, there's almost as many pauses in this movie as there are in Made in Chelsea. You know, it is completely made up this, of, of the blank spaces. Th this movie is, to wordless stares, what slow-mo is to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let's 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 put it that way. Okay. But I, I can't in any way, shape or form, recommend it. Um, if you are going to watch this uh, purely for the sex scene, it's about an hour and ten in if you're going to skip ahead. That's all you're watching for. About an hour and ten. Yeah, it's but, about uh, an hour and it's about an hour and ten in, and then it's like it goes from naught to a hundred uh, to give you like this. It very... does. It does. They went full broke back mountain on that. They did, and it was so awkward to watch it because it was in no way sexy. And this is the thing, right? So, don't you know that is that is just not worth your time in any way shape do you know what it is do you know what it is it's that family guy version of british porn it's you know reginald we could be having sexual intercourse <laughs> yes yes but but let's, let's not Welcome back to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. We're keeping you on the couch with all of your top TV over the next seven days. And do you know what? We're starting off with a bang because on Saturday night um, on Sony Movies at 8pm is one of my favourite movies of all time. And I have said this about a few movies, but literally I think I can quote everything in this movie. It is Moulin Rouge, um, which not everyone loves. I get it. But for me... It's, you know, it's the precursor to La La Land. It's kind of the thing that paid homage to lots of old songs and just made me feel very good and in love with Paris. Um, it's about, uh, it stars Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman um, and also other great, brilliant actors as well in it. It's um, brought to you by Baz Luhrmann. He, uh, Ewan, McGregor, Ewan McGregor plays Christian, who is like a, a writer who travels to Paris to join the Bohemian Revolution. He visits the world famous Moulin Rouge and falls in love with its star performer and courtesan, Satine. A kiss on the hand. Oh, we are continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss on the ground, but it will pay the rental on your humble flats. Or help you feed your pussycat. Men grow cold as girls grow old. I'm in the end. Oh, sorry, did that stop? Um, <laughs> um, the last time I watched Moulin Rouge, right, was um, was the secret cinema version of Moulin Rouge. Mm. Oh, did, did you go to that? Was that any good? I, it, I was so impressed. I have not been impressed since. 
Uh, I didn't think like Romeo and Juliet was very good. I'm not. I, I, I did the I did the Romeo and Juliet one as well. Now I liked it, but I didn't love it. I still think the best one they've ever done that I went to was uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. I've heard that that's really good. I heard that Shawshank back in the day was amazing as well. Oh, yeah, um, but uh, Moulin Rouge was fantastic because they just replicated, or you know, they moved you around the space to see the performers. You know, the dancing, everything was brilliant. Weirdly, as well, Jarvis Cocker did a performance at the very beginning before the film started. It's like, why is that here? That's absolutely on brand for Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah. That bonkers display. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, you know, this for me, this is like Baz Luhrmann at his sort of peak. I've always been a fan of Baz Luhrmann where, you know, from Strictly Ballroom, love Romeo and Juliet, love this movie. Unfortunately, stuff later beyond that hasn't quite worked as well for me, like The Great Gatsby and stuff. But overall if you just want some fun hammed up brilliant John Leguizamo playing Toulouse Lautrec you know there's just so much greatness in this if you just love that bawdy vaudeville um, you know gaudy turn of the century bohemianness that this movie has it's just thrown everything at it and I think it really works so yeah enjoy Sony Movies 8pm Saturday night on to Sunday night then and something very different uh, on the horror channel at 9pm <laughs> because you know how I love you know me I love me a little something different from the horror channel and it is of course a, uh, a forgotten Cronenberg classic it's one that never really seems to get mentioned uh, in conversations about Cronenberg it's his 1983 Stephen King adaptation, uh, The Dead Zone, starring Christopher Walken as uh, schoolteacher Johnny Smith, who has a uh, an accident, has a, has a car accident, uh, goes into a coma, and then wakes up with the ability to basically see the future through basically visions triggered by physical touch. If he shakes your hand, for instance, he'll have a vision relating to you. If he holds your wallet or purse or anything you touch, Sci-Fi Channel managed to spin this into a pretty good TV show for like seven or eight years on one stage as well, starring Anthony Michael Hall that's worth checking out. But for the case of the movie, what you get is the the full, full novel in which Johnny starts using his gifts to save lives, which will eventually bring him into the, cross pa- uh, cro- the crosshairs of an aspiring politician whose rise to dominance could actually spell nuclear holocaust itself, played by Martin Sheen. But here he is just basically trying to get his point, point across as he keeps warning people about the accidents due to the fall. Nourishment, and then we'll hit the accident. No, no, listen to me. Call it off. There's going to be an accident. Call it off. Oh, ridiculous. We always get on that pond until March. What the hell is the matter with you? You want to kill your own son? I'm scared, Dad. For Christ's sake, John. Don't be scared. Just go eat your cookies. Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out? But I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is gonna break! Vintage Walken there, ladies and gentlemen. Like, who else but Christopher Walken do you get to play that role? The ice will break! I mean, you gotta look. Oh, that sounds that sounds really interesting. I mean, do you have to be a Cronenberg fan to sit through this? Do you think? No, not at all. This is just a straight, you know, Stephen King adaptation. Like Cronenberg's influence on this is surprisingly his his propensity to lean towards body horror and things like that is surprisingly minimal in this. This is him doing him playing it straight for all intents and purposes. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm open to it. 
Um, you know, Cronenberg, I, I find him a bit too extreme for me, but actually, mm. I, I think this could work. This could work. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so this is good. Good. I think you'll like it. Okay, good. I'm I'm excited for that. Okay, well I'll take it take a check out of that on Horror Channel 9 p.m. on Sunday. Probably not the way you want to end the week, but that's wait with me. Um, okay, moving on to Monday to start your week. Ah, oh, what a classic! Police Academy, ITV4, 9 p.m. I loved the Police Academy movies. Like properly loved them. Um, so this is the first of the series, uh, first of six, six whopping Police Academy movies. Whoa, 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 hang, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Are you telling me that the mission to Moscow never happened in your world? Because there are seven Wait. Police Academy movies. You didn't, let me, you didn't let me finish. Go on. You didn't let me finish my sentence. The six were in the 1980s. The seven, oh. 1994. Was that that big a gap between six and seven? Would be, would be, would be I four. had no idea. 84, 84, 94. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is this is all brilliant. Um, so, look, this this first movie, I mean, oh, you just, we, we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on the Stereo app or if we talked about it here, about, like, like we wanted to, oh, it was on the Stereo app, we wanted to see something with Steve Gutenberg back in. And, you know, uh, the, the brilliance of Steve Gutenberg is is just that he is brilliant as the kind of, the, the slightly romantic lead in this, weirdly, isn't it? He's kind of your... Um, you know, not the heartthrob of it, but there's something about him, isn't there? And he kind of, you he know, was. yeah. Well, uh, Gutenberg, Gutenberg very much played on on the because I think we, we've heard it a lot, the term used a lot recently in relation to Eddie Murphy because a lot, mm. a lot of retrospection on Eddie Murphy. But it's the agent of chaos presence. It's the kind of thing we're used to seeing from Adam Sandler, for instance, right? Where he's a slightly his is a, his is a heightened version of the real world. He is the character that seems to be self-aware in a world that doesn't otherwise seem to be. He is the deadpan winking to the camera, look, we all get this is absurd, so let's mess with it yeah. kind of a, a presence. And, you know, you're happy Gilmore, you know, being the same as sort of Mahoney from Police Academy, that sort of agent of chaos type presence. And Steve Gutenberg was just legendary at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So look, if you if you just want to revisit this, um, this is I would like to think that this holds up, um, and that we still enjoy. Totally does. Yeah, what comes from it. But um, for me, it's just a blooming good comedy, isn't it? And it's just something that is old school. It's classic. And if you like this one, you'll probably want to sit down and watch the rest as they come back as well. But the only thing about Police Academy that doesn't hold up now is it's one of those films that you do watch back and you think, oh, yeah, this was an R-rated movie in the early to mid-80s, an R-rated comedy. Ah, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, <clears throat> let's just say, problematic humour driven, you know, driven out of uh, the concept of female nudity. A lot of jokes at the expense of, like, gay panic, things mm. like that. You know, the, the sort of things you should be aware of they still exist in this movie. Put it this way, it's, 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 if you sat through an Eddie Murphy stand-up from the 80s recently, you know exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, listen, that's going to kick off your week on uh, ITV4 at 9pm on the Monday. When we return, we're going to see through the rest of your week um, with some more great movies on TV. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Offscreen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Oh, hey, Van. Well, do you know what? Yet again, I am loving being on the Stereo app, and I'll tell you why. Because 
We're kind of essentially having an after party from the off-screen podcast each and every week, but not just each and every week, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 5pm UK time. And what it means is that not only can we bring everyone the biggest movie news that breaks in the 24 hours before we go live on stereo, but we can also interact with our amazing audience members who tune in because you guys can leave us little voice notes, questions, and we've been loving receiving those. Um, And you guys can talk to us and we can talk back at you directly in the app. So it's really engaging, really interactive. Um, And, you know, for us, this is just a way that we can get more involved with you guys and you can hear us natter even more. We just sort of shift and change what we talk about here at Offscreen. So, you know, the great thing about this, like I say, it's every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 p.m. UK time. Come and join us for a good half an hour chat that we have with the three top stories. You can just download the Stereo app. You can follow us at Stereo.com forward slash Van Connor, Stereo.com forward slash Bex Perfect. Come and follow us. Subscribe to our shows because then you'll get a notification that we're going to go live and you can come and join us. And we'd love to see you there. It's just a really nice extension of the off-screen family. Looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news? Then say hello to The Daily Reel, your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings, hirings, firings, release dates, scandals, and everything else going on behind the silver screen. Delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower. Subscribe to The Daily Reel on all major podcast platforms or ask Alexa to install The Daily Reel skill for your morning flash briefing. Make your morning cinematic with The Daily Reel. Welcome back to Off Screen and keeping you on that couch for more cinematic fun found on Freeview for the next week. We're on Tuesday, the 30th of March. And, Miss Perfect, what could be more fun and more befitting of us, I think, as a show than a Jason Statham remake of a Roger Corman action? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? I thought this first movie that you're talking about, right? Mm. I got it completely wrong and I thought it was Death Proof. <laughs> No, this is the 2007 Jason Statham-led take on a movie that, believe it or not, I think starred Stallone in its original form. Yeah, as well. yeah. He was one of the drivers in the original comic. It was called Death Race 2000. There have been, like, four sequels to this, direct-to-DVD as well, starring, like, Luke Goss and people like that. This stars the likes of Ian McShane and Joan Allen. It's a hell of a ride, and it stars Statham as the wrongly incarcerated driver who is forced to effectively gladiator his way out of prison. And to do this, instead of, like, fighting his way through gladiator matches. Instead, he simply has to win literal death races in which he's put in a kitted out car complete with weapons bolted to it and basically forced to drive to the death. It's a lot of fun. So it's a rom-com then. <laughs> it's, perfect. It's, it's a perfectly romantic comedy. That's on ITV4, uh, Tuesday night, 11.40. Tape that. If it's Sky Plus it, whatever. I think that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So what, should we do, what should we do for Wednesday then, Miss Perfect? Let's Wednesday. I'm going to give you a, a Richard Curtis classic on Wednesday, which is on um, Film 4, 9pm. Four weddings and a funeral. I mean... 
come on, what's not to love? Uh, this is iconic in every sense of the word. It launched Hugh Grant into the stratosphere as the floppy-haired fop of every romantic, British romantic lead that we all know and love. And essentially, it's just jolly good British fun. It is, isn't it? And it's got that great cast that includes, uh, well, I mean, uh, that great cast plus Andy McDowell. Let's just say that. It's got a great cast and Andy McDowell. Let's just go with that. Is it raining? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's so terrible. In how how is she so bad in Four Weddings and a Funeral? How is the movie this good? In possession of such a truly... Te- this is like the first season of 24. There is an actor in the first season of 24 who only has about four lines of dialogue and he delivers them all so spectacularly terribly that he almost single-handedly sinks the entire first season. All 18 hours of the first season of 24. That's how bad a performance it is. Andy McDowell is that bad in Four Ways and a Funeral and yet the film is still great. Oh, the film's amazing. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Thank you, you Grant. Thank you, everyone else that's in this. Um, look, guys, what, what more is there to say about Four Weddings and a Funeral? It is what it is. It's an absolute classic and something that I, I think is worth revisiting. I think it was out in 94, 95 originally. So it's no, old. 94, because don't forget, it has the single that ties in with it, was Wet, Wet, Wet's Love is All Around. Yeah. It was like number one for like six months in the charts. Right. Yes. God. Yeah. I remember. God. Yeah. yeah. I felt it in my fingers and I felt it in my toes. Um, <laughs> love is all around, Bex. Love is and, and feeling grows. The feeling all grows. Around. And it can be all around you on Film 4, 9 p.m. on Wednesday, too. So there you go. What, what's not to love? Uh, moving on to Thursday. Oh, really good film. Really rubbish title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is how I'm going to describe it. BBC One at 10.45 p.m. But don't you prefer that to the opposite, though? Because so often we get the opposite, where yeah, we get yeah, movies yeah. with amazing titles, yeah. like Ripcord and things like that, and they're just like really boring-ass movies, or they're really yeah. terrible movies. Yeah, you know, movies, <laughs> we are talking, movies that just don't look to them. We're talking about The Accountant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible title. But actually, you know what? I know what happened when we went to watch this. Like, we went in and we were like, this looks, what the hell is this? This looks, and then you're like, oh. It works. <laughs> would you would you have watched the same movie though if the poster just came with Ben Affleck is the white man? <laughs> I mean, would you have watched the movie and taken it the same way? No. I'd argue it would have played exactly the same. <laughs> um, it's um yeah, look, it's it... 2016 this came out interesting but look, they saved it a little bit with the imagery on the poster because at least he's mm. holding a gun but um he basically pa- plays an accountant called christian wolf works for lots of different illegal companies manipulates their final uh, financial records the fbi learns about this and then he takes um, a legitimate client to bluff the officers but all hell obviously breaks loose i thought this was a great film i actually thought it deserved a sequel and that uh, we like is that happening well, that sequel not only is happening, I feel like you buried the lead and you made it sound like he was more of a forensic accountant than anything else. But let's not forget, this man is an assassin. What is this place? Pan America Airstream. 34 feet, 7 inches long. 8 feet, 5 inches wide. Dimensions which are perfectly adequate for one person. Preferable, even. This is where you live? No, I don't live here. 
is his storage unit. That would be weird. That's what would be weird? I'd like to spend more time here. However, I'm afraid some of my clients might follow me. Why would your clients follow you? You're an accountant. How do you know what to do here? Why are you prepared for this? Plus, this is on wheels, which means I can hook it up and be gone in 12 minutes. Usually. Sarcasm? Is that sarcasm? No, that's not sarcasm. I don't use sarcasm. It's irritation. Everything in the world that is important to me is in this trailer. And right now, changing my routine for you is jeopardizing that. Speaking of burying the lead, actually, more than just being an assassin, this is also the movie in which Ben Affleck is an autistic assassin. Like, that's... Yeah, we kind of forgot that one. And yeah, they are making a sequel to this. And I can't wait, because sooner or later, someone is going to have to address the reality that Ben Affleck has a franchise in which he's an autistic assassin. I mean, come on. We were cool with this? I know it was all of five years ago now, but we let this happen? Wow. Wow. Wow, but you can see it was fun. It was it was it was was a good job. It was fun. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you. But it was it was haywire with a dude. You can see what we let happen. Well, not us, not me and Bam personally, but what what the studios let happen and the world um, on BBC One at ten forty-five pm on Thursday. Now, speaking of fun. Our, oh, yeah. our Friday movie on Film 4, 10.45pm, is not what you would expect. This is Overlord. What happened then? I found him inside the church. The crowd scrammed me as soon as I hit the ground. Inside the church? How did you get inside the church? Dead bodies. Slow down. Slow down. They're doing experiments on them in there. They're doing experiments on the villagers. What? Just like her aunt. Burning people with these flamethrowers, and they're still moving the bodies. Cocoon things in there. Did you get eyes on the tower compound? She doesn't doesn't have a body, and she's still she's still talking. And I I saw Rosenfeld. Voice. Did you get eyes on the tower compound? The tower basin is below the ground, but there's more than that down there. Okay. This movie is sick. As so, yeah. Jovan Adepo, you could hear there is a voice. He's kind of the POV character on this. This effectively plays like Wolfenstein. So the idea is, you know, the night before, you know, the invasion of Normandy, they're the team that had to go in and take down the radio tower. But oh no, there's Nazi zombies. I mean, come on, what's not to love? You've got a Russell in there, not Kurt Russell, but the next best thing. You got Wyatt Russell, and he's got his dad's beard and his propensity for staring through frozen gazes as well. And you know what? This movie's just awesome. I had a great time. Pillow Asbeck from Game of Thrones and, and, and Ghost in the Shell movies like that. He's the villain in this. He is great fun. I just, I want to watch this again. I loved Overlord. I loved the surprise element of it. I remember sitting next to Jamie East and suddenly both of us just <laughs> went round to each other and went, did that just happen? What? This movie is bonkers um, and a great Friday night movie. So look, guys, we don't want to say too much because we don't want to give away the surprise of this movie, but it is great and it's definitely worth your time and it's definitely worth watching on a big screen if you've got one um, in your house. Just Mm. make sure that you really immerse yourself in this. Turn Turn the lights down, put it on, Enjoy it. Try and be uninterrupted when you watch this as well. It's uh, 10.45 p.m. Film 4. It has the feel of, an, of a decently punchy sort of 100-minute John Carpenter movie. Yeah, it, I think, yeah. Well. It's quite yeah. well built. It's a really well put together movie. I'm trying it to remember is. who came up with this now. It was uh, Julius Avery, who then went on to... 
What did Julius Avery then wind up doing after that? Oof, he got he got a job. It sounded incredible. Julius Avery. Julius Avery. He signed on for something not long after. Uh, after he did Overlord, he signed off for something incredible. It'll come to me, but for now, Overlord, it's effectively Wolfenstein the movie. If that reference means anything to you, you're gonna love this. If you just like a good horror movie, you're gonna love this too. And if you feel the need for a new generation of Russell in your life before he's properly uh, set up in the Marvelverse this week on Disney Plus, you mark my words, check out Overlord. Welcome back to Offscreen. Welcome to the last section of our podcast for this week. Um, we're going to be taking you through what is available on DVD and Blu-ray, but also having a look forward at what is coming up next as well. What is going to be looking out for, uh, what we're going to be looking out for, for you guys to watch on your small screen. Not quite your big screen. It should be on your big screen, but it's going to be very much on your small screen. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, because we, we've got a week off, obviously, and there are yeah. things still coming out. We have to talk about them. And as, as it happens, of the three big things coming out, I've seen two of them. So we're okay, I guess. And... I mean, I know neither of us have seen Godzilla vs. Kong, sadly, but, you know, we'll get to that. Anyway, so let's let's go down that uh, that virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle. And I believe Soul is finally out this coming Monday. What's that, the, the 29th Monday? Yeah, and you know what? I, I really like... I liked Soul, because I love Jet. Mm. Um, and, and I liked the premise of this. I don't think that this is one of Pixar's strongest yeah. offerings... So this is Pixar doing the afterlife, effectively. Yeah. With also, also with their first African-American lead, who's voiced here, I think, by uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Who's the musician who simply wants to get to the potentially life-changing gig, only to fall down the sewer and find himself in the afterlife and forced to team up with, I think, is she a, a yet-to-be-claimed spirit? 20, 22, yeah, 29. yeah. I think, what's, do you know what, with this, when I looked at, when I looked at kind of the the thoughts and behind the scenes of and the making mm. of this, I appreciated what we see a lot more than just watching it initially. But have a listen yourself, because actually I think that there's lots going on in this movie that lots of people, adults and children alike, will really love. Dr. Borgensen will be matched with soul number 22. Oh, we're going to get into this now. Excuse me. 22, you come out of this dimension right now. How many times have I to tell you? I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Go to Earth and have a life. Me. 22 has been at the U Seminar for quite some time and has had such notable mentors as Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa. <laughs> I made her cry. Ignore that. Put me We're down. truly glad to have you here, Dr. Borgensen. It is an honour having you prepare 22 for Earth. I'm going to make you wish you never died. Most people wish that, 22. I'm going to caveat that and say everything mm. that you like, you know, to enjoy for adults and kids, apart from the voice of Richard Iowadi. <laughs> I cannot stand Richard Iowadi. Can, can you not stand? I like the voice of Richard Iowadi. No, no he, uh, no, he just generally just annoys me. But um, I, like, I, I loved the bits on Earth. I think... Mm. I think the uh, the characters and stuff in the afterlife is almost too too like l- lateral um, in a way. I, 
I thought I liked the I liked it going into. The, I thought there was a lot of overlap with Inside Out. In yes, terms of the, way that the ideas are realised, and in terms of the sort of design aesthetic yeah. on for with that, I thought that was an inherently problematic thing that they 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 didn't manage to to overcome. They didn't differentiate it enough. I think at times. I mean, especially because I have recently watched uh, Inside Out for the first time in years because uh, Mary hadn't seen it. We watched it together, and that movie really holds up. Like, I'm not a massive fan. I'm not a really, massive I, fan of Inside Out. The the, the existentialism of Inside mm. Out, I don't enjoy as much. I you know look, I like films like Up. I like stuff that's just like, there, there, there's things that warm your cockles a little bit. I think when they go into this whole kind of avant-garde element of it, it loses me a little bit. So for me, that's it's just always a been a part of the. I think that's always been a, a core component of the relationship that Pixar has with their characters. Though they love using them, especially when you look at something like uh, Toy Story, which mm. is the bedrock of Pixar, and that is about you know these are people doing their job and the mechanics of this is how childhood laughter is derived yeah. and you get to Monsters Inc and it's the mechanics of these people doing their job is this is how child's fear is derived yeah. then you get to Inside Out and it's these people doing their jobs this is how children's mental health is derived and humanity then you get to, to souls this is how human existence and mortality and the concept of the afterlife and the great beyond and all of human wealth and experience is quantified yeah yeah. by people doing their jobs. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it seems to be a very boilerplate Pixar idea, I think. And I would say, unlike the difference between Toy Story and Monsters, Inc., there is there is not that difference between this and Inside Out. No, 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 I'm with you. I'm totally with you on this. And it's just down to preference, isn't it? If you like them to push the boundaries and really go down that existential route, if you're a really big fan of Inside Out, which I know loads of people were, but when I went to see it, I was really excited and I just sort of felt slightly deflated because I was like... The, the avant-gardeness of it just didn't quite work as well for me. Taking, I understand that it's there as the essence of it, but I think just stretching it out to the extent that they did just doesn't always appeal to everyone. So this kind of follows tact in the same way. Do you mean it was there as a core memory? Oh, it's oh, an There we are. Okay. <laughs> so Soul is out Monday 29th on DVD and Blu-ray in the, D, the virtual DVD and Blu-ray. Mind you, supermarkets do have actual physical aisles, don't they? Thank so you. there is that. So let's talk about uh, what's coming then the next uh, next week that we're going to be off. We've yeah. got three big releases. We do. One of which, I believe, is the Mauritanian, which is the first one we're talking about. This is on Amazon Prime. This is from Thursday, 1st of April. Now, am I right in thinking this did get an Oscar nomination, the Mauritanian? Not as many as... So Tahar Rahim didn't... I don't mm. think he got nominated. I think this is the thing, right? So, so firstly, I just want to make a point about what... There's a lot of stuff this year... And obviously to do with the pandemic, but there's a lot of stuff this year which you traditionally might have gone, when am I ever going to see these Oscar contenders? Or when am I ever going to see this stuff? Now, thanks to streaming, you're actually getting access to a lot of it. If you haven't already before, you are now. And the Mauritanian coming to, um, you know, coming to uh, Amazon Prime on the 1st of April is not an April Fool's. It is oh, yeah. happening. So, um yeah, I, 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 I remember thinking it was a bit of a disappointment that Tahar Rahim didn't actually pick anything up for this um, amongst the Academy Awards. But mm. Golden Globes, he was nominated. I'm not sure where it was within um, 
other films. He did win. He did win Best Supporting Actress at the Globes for Jodie Foster. Just a Harahim sadly didn't get it. I mean, Jodie Foster is supposed to be uh, absolutely phenomenal in this movie. And I noticed not- that uh, Shailene Woodley seems to be getting no traction whatsoever. Yeah, and you know where I'm at with this, like. <laughs> I'm not a massive fan of promising young women, and yet that is getting all the plaudits. And there we go. Here we go. Every week, I've got to bring it in somewhere. Um, this is your cats, isn't it? This is turning into your cats. Look, it's not as bad as cats. <laughs> um, no, I, I just look. I just don't know if it really deserves the hype that it's getting. Anyway, move on from that. In this, um, you know, I'm a massive fan of Tarahim because. I saw him in The Serpent on the BBC recently. I thought it was brilliant in that. Jodie Foster, it has been widely documented that she's been snubbed for this. Um, And it makes me... So I'm not as overly excited about award season this year as I have been for other years. So, look, I'm excited to see the Mauritanian because I want to see why she's been snubbed and and what's holding us back. But really, this looks like a, a solid film that, if you can access it, definitely do. Would you like me to step outside? Yeah, keep going. You don't want to pray? Are you religious? <laughs> Why do you care? I don't. I care about you. What do you want me to sign, Nancy? Who am I suing today? God? No one today. Then why are you here? reason in particular I just didn't want you to be alone has the feel of an Oscar performance doesn't it there yes. definitely yes. Yeah, it totally does Come on, so, uh, two, <laughs> two that we know are not going to be up for uh, any Oscars I don't think they are neither devastating yeah, well, I mean, so first of all, same day as the Mauritanian, we've got uh, Godzilla vs. Kong being made available in the UK. That's going to be through, I believe, the Sky Store, uh, and it's going to be available on demand anyway. Um, in the US, this is out the day before in theatres on HBO Max. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, first time since 1962. What's not to love? Uh, I don't know anyone that's seen it yet, sadly. Um, and that comes a day before... One that I have seen, it is the long-delayed Chaos Walking, starring Mads Mikkelsen, Tom Holland, and Daisy Ridley, adaptation of a novel by Patrick Ness that... It's like a dystopian YA sci-fi thing. It plays like The Postman. The idea is that all the women in the world have died out and all the men have this aura around them called noise that allows you to physically see what they're thinking. And it's about what happens when Daisy Ridley literally crashes to Earth in the middle of this and only Tom Holland can keep her safe. Whoa! Stop! Don't come any closer. Girl. Girl. It's a girl. girl. Oh my gosh. Where are you from? You're a girl. No noise. You from Earthy? Girl! Dave! Shut up, Todd. Sorry, I'm sorry. I've just never... Never seen a girl before. Are you from Earth? You're really pretty. Yellow hair. Found her. I found her! I found her! Wait, 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 wait! Stupid noise. I'd be really interested to see Daisy Ridley's sort of trajectory as an actress post, post Star Wars because it's not... It, she's not like the choices she's making are not particularly like sending her in the right direction. Yeah, inspired no. in the right direction. I think you know, like she might have a small part on. Um, is she in Death on the Nile, or is she was just on the Murder on the Orient Express, wasn't she? 
I think it was Murder on the Orient Express, actually, yeah. yes. Um, I, I can't explain Daisy Ridley's career trajectory. It makes increasingly no sense to me. Yeah. This film is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, apparently re heavily reshot by Fede Alvarez, director of Don't Breathe, because scheduling conflicts. You've got Doug Lyman at the helm, who did Edge of Tomorrow, and they have struggled and they have tried to whip something into shape with this movie. Um, they had disastrous reshoots, uh, dis disastrous test screenings, sorry, the first time, that then led to the reshoots, then been bounced around the release schedule. And to be honest, it arrives here more as a sort of putting it out to pasture and, and letting it die gracefully than an actual release. This is more simply Lionsgate saying, look, we need to put this thing out already. It's just hanging around our necks. Can you just take it? It's it's exactly what you think it is. It's like a sexless, mansplained YA take on the postman. Mm. But just take that for what it is. At least Mads Mikkelsen's having a good time in it and, and David Oyelowo's getting to do a bit of, of, of flouncing. Great cast. Great cast. Uh, Mads is in there. Like I say, uh, you've got uh, Damien Bashir in there as well. Kurt Sutter is in this. Bloody Kurt Sutter. And yet it's garbage. I mean, it is all over the place. It, it's, it feels like it's been hacked to the bone. I mean, it really is just, let's go cosplay in the quarry round back. It, 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 it's a very mucky film. Where, where, where is it that we can possibly watch this this car crash, just out of interest? This is just going to be on digital platforms. So you're going to have to pay for France. it? You're going to have to pay for it. I advise don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be top of my wish list, even though the cast does sound great, but you have not sold it to me. Um, there are some early reviews of Godzilla vs. Kong that are coming out from like Empire Magazine and uh, yeah, and a few others. So I I I've seen that on like just by glancing, relatively positive. Mm. So maybe that's the one, that and the Mauritanian are the ones to watch over the next week or so. Um, but, you know, look... It sounds like... I'm very much looking forward to having to put my lady through watching Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm sure she's going to have a great time with that. And probably never seen oh, that never seen one of those movies before in her life. I'm sure this is going to be great for her. I should probably just follow up with Pacific Rim and get that over with. Yeah, I, look, I'm really looking forward to that. And you know what? I'm looking forward to just having... You know, we work very hard for you here at Offscreen, and it's quite nice <laughs> every now and again we, we give ourselves a little bit of a break. So that includes having a little break from the stereo app next week as well. But we'll we'll be back um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the week after. So we'll be, you know, properly into uh, into April uh, with some more big releases for you. But it's... um Yeah, it'll be well-deserved. So do stick with us. Do join us um, today, in fact. We're going to be on um, the Stereo app at 5pm UK time today, if you're tuning and in. And then we'll be back, of course, on April 5th, the Monday then. We'll be back 5pm that day. We will resume the package as normal. We will simply have one week off. One week to sun ourselves. One more week. Yeah, come on. If the weather could just be sunny during that time, it would be really appreciated. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> But for now, thank you for tuning in as ever. We've loved taking you through our seven-day guide of everything movies. But for now, I'm Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor. This has been our screen and we shall return.
Thanks for listening, and don't forget to keep the party going. Join Bex and I every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 p.m. GMT on the Stereo app. We're taking this next week off along with the regular show, but we'll be back the following week as always. That's only on the Stereo app. You can uh, get that free in the Google Play Store or in the App Store. Uh, subscribe and follow us. She's at Bex Perfect. I'm at Van Connor. And you can subscribe and follow our live shows as they're scheduled 5 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. GMT only on the Stereo app.